0: Good morning. As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song.
1: Oh, my Lord, you are my shepherd and a shepherd. still waters, you repair my heart. I trust in you.
0: Oh, I trust in
1: And Your love, they will never leave Just a closer walk with Thee
0: Just a closer walk Just a closer walk with Thee Just a closer walk So. good morning once again and welcome to those of you worshiping here as well as those of you worshiping online. We're glad that you're connecting with us today. And now hear
2: the word of the Lord from Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. right, I invite you to stand and worship along with
0: us. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. seated.
2: Good morning, everybody. It is time for the kids to head downstairs. So, if you're heading down to Sunday school, feel free to do that. A couple other quick announcements. Uh, first of all, Pastor JB is going to be joining us here in a couple of weeks. And to help him get acquainted with everybody, we're asking and hoping that you'd be willing to take a picture after the service out front for our online directory. That's going to help him learn some names, get to know everybody a little bit quicker. So, if you have a second after the service to help us out with that, that would be very helpful. Um, and also, we have women's ministry events coming up that we we want to make everybody, well, the ladies aware of, um, you can find information on those on the website or you can contact April at heartwake.com if you have any interest or curiosity about the details on those. If you wouldn't mind praying with me, we're going to begin with the words from Psalm 102. Let's pray. Let this be written for our future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high, from heaven he viewed the earth, to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. Lord, as we gather today, help us to gather with grateful hearts. Even the opportunity to get together is a blessing that we've missed a lot over the last year. It's truly encouraging and exciting to see our seats begin to fill back up, to enjoy the company of those we haven't seen for a long time, and to simply just be in the presence of you and other fellow believers. As we think about our community, both near and far, there's so many that need you, your power, your comfort, and even your miracles to make right the many wrongs that our community has to face every day. We're grateful grateful for those that provide earthly assistance with sickness, death, financial problems, and other hurts of this world but we, also acutely, we are also acutely aware that there are some things that only you can make right. So we pray with confidence that, you will, that we will see your almighty and helping hand in whatever struggles we each face in the next week. We pray for our kids and students as they grow up in a world that seems increasingly challenging and contradictive to your word. We ask your steady hand in firming their foundations, and we ask for your help and your wisdom as you grant us the gift of being able to mold the next generation of warriors for you. Grant our young ones strengthen you so that they can better face the world with your confidence and assurance of who they are because of your love. As we as a church go about ministry here on the north side of Holland, grant us the eyes to see what we need to see, the ears to hear what we need to hear, the hands to act where we need to act, and the hearts to help us do it all through the lens of the gospel of your love. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
3: Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. It's good to be back with you. And as Nate said, Pastor JB is on his way, not geographically at this moment. Uh, We want to pray for he and his family uh, today in Providence Church as they're doing a final celebration for their family. Um, As they think about and get ready, as they've been transitioning, uh, continue to pray for Providence Church, our brothers and sisters as well there, as they're losing somebody they love, but they just happen to be losing to us. And I hope you're excited. I'm excited to work alongside of JB. Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Aaron, one of our pastors here on staff. Bill and I are are excited to get running with him. We've already been thinking about the next sermon series. We've been thinking about that for weeks already. But uh, yeah, excited to get going. Uh, And for me this morning though, I'm excited to be here uh, with you worshiping together, sharing God's word. As we are continuing through a series, uh, Pastor Bill has been leading you all through in this Lent season, this time as we anticipate the cross and what Jesus has done in his death, but not just in his death, but in his resurrection as well. As we look forward to Easter, we've been focusing on who Jesus is, that he is God, right? The, the I am statements is a direct relationship was where Jesus is saying, I want you to know while I'm a human being, I am God. I am, as Paul would say, the fullness, the fullness of all the deity lives and it shows up in me. So if you want to see who God is, look at me. And throughout these weeks, Jesus has been using images that would kind of grasp the Israelite mind, the Jewish mind that that would help them go, well, this is kind of who we were and supposed to be yet you're kind of the fullness of this and you're the fullness of God and and it it confused a lot of them. Uh, It it left them wondering. It left them a a little uh, anxious at times. It left them a little angry at times because when we confront God and God confronts us, uh, there is a gap, isn't there? God is God and we are not. God is perfect. We are not. And so when that happens, there's a little rub. But here's the good news, Jesus continues to bring the life of God to us. So today as we're continuing that series, I wanna ask you this question, it's a question that's gonna kind of linger throughout the whole message, but it's this, where and in what are we resting in? And in particular this morning, jesus we're gonna hear Jesus talk directly to his friends, the disciples. Not to the religious leaders, not to the crowd, but he's talking to his friends and, and he has a particular message for them. In a, in a particular moment that he's trying to say, where are you as my followers and as my friends? Where are you going to rest when I'm gone? Where are you going to abide? Where are you going to make your home? Right? That's why I thought about this image this morning. I love it. it. When I think about rest, means I trust in something. Right, I trust that I'm secure. I trust that I can kick my feet up and what happened before isn't going to come and bite me. What's coming tomorrow isn't already grabbing me and pulling me into it. Right, There's a calmness. You know, I love the guitar in the corner, and he's ready to play. He's listening to music. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I would love to be able to lay on a couch and feel like I fit. It looks like he fits, right? <laughs> but he could rest. This person can rest. My wondering for us is, where do we rest? And in particular this morning, in our relationship with God, what do we rest in? What do we rest upon? Let's go to God's Word, John 15. This is John, in John, John 14 through 17 are really for the disciples. Jesus, we're, if we think about the timeline and, and where their interaction with him is, this is like his death is only hours away. It's a day away. I mean, so these are Jesus's, some of Jesus' last words to his disciples before he's going to blow their mind by dying on a cross. So let's hear some of these words. John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine. I'm the authentic one. That would be the meaning of true here. I am the authentic one. I'm the real one. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. I love that. Jesus' desire is to remain in us. But he says, remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, though, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Right this, this kind of living with God, so much so that it, when we're in him and he's in us, even our prayers will be praying with the mind of God. <laughs> right, Ask whatever you wish it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer a moment. Father, as we hear your word, we can't make sense of it in and of our own accord our own abilities, our own logic. In order to make sense of of your scriptures, your word, your story, we need your Holy Spirit to speak today. And so that's what we simply ask. The Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts, you would speak to our minds, you would transform and dwell in us, that you'd breathe your life in us. Father, and as I seek to speak your truth God, may you equip me to speak your words and that you would strike away anything that isn't of you so that we together as your church can hear your truth and be transformed by your spirit. Speak now, Lord, for we, your children, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning, Jesus is talking to his disciples and why would he spend some of the last moments before his death saying remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. It sounded like a broken record a little bit, right? Remain in me if I remain in you. All of this remaining, all of this resting, all of this make your home as Eugene Peterson would say in the message translation of the Bible. Why would he say this? Well. Because, we see the answer very clearly in verse 5, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. When it comes to especially, in particular, he's talking, right, to his disciples. And he's talking to his disciples about remaining in his life, in his kingdom, in his way. He says, the only way that you're going to do anything of value for the kingdom, anything of value for me, the only way you're going to bear my life out in this world is if you remain in me. Because apart from me, he's absolute. The Greek is absolute as well. You can do nothing. (laughs) And if I need to parse the word out, do some good English, no thing. (laughs) Nuh-uh, thing, right? (laughs) Why is this important, though, for us to hear? Well, let me take you to the temple. I hope you can see this a little bit, but this is outside the holy place. And in Herod's reconstruction of the temple is 46 year project. Herod liked to do things big, uh, but in relationship and work with the Jewish community, he built this grand golden archway outside the holy place. And if you notice, there's this vine that wraps around the columns. Right for, for, the, for the Hebrew, they were seeing themselves as God's vine set up in this place, in this geographical location to be God's representatives in the world. The Old Testament has time and time again illustrations, whether it's in the Psalms or whether it's in Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these different places where God says, you are my vine, I'm planting you in the earth to bear fruit. So outside the holy place, they would then build this grandiose gold vine. But what happened was oftentimes people, and it was most likely wealthy people because the poor folks couldn't do this, they would take gold and they would have craftsmen form things around, you know, grape clusters and things that they could affix to the vine. See where I'm going with this, right? They can, of their own accord, come and bring their thing. They could, they could, today, take the plastic fruit in the middle of my dinner table and go attach it to the tree, right? They would take clusters, Josephus, who was the Roman Jewish historian of the time, uh, he said the clusters that some people would bring were the size of a person. I mean, this is how much gold, and in fact, when Uh, Jerusalem was ransacked in 70 AD. They said it depreciated the value of gold in half. There was that much gold in and around the temple area that when it was carried away, it depreciated the, the, the community, it depreciated its value and its life. But what was happening for, for the disciples, and I'm going to say for us too, is they were caught in a world that lived and based them, their rest, based their security on what they could come and bring. Or might we say today our accomplishments, maybe our accolades, maybe our achievements. Jesus knew that the disciples would get stuck like we sometimes do, especially when we're religious people in, in the law and going back to saying, Well, I've got to live perfectly. I've got to do things rightly. And if I don't, God will judge me and smite me off the earth. Right? Any of you ever feel that? Right? I have. <laughs> We base our lives on that. We actually hear later on in the book of Galatians, Paul runs into this. He 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 writes to the church, and the church has been carried away with what we call Judaizers—those who were trying to bring, they were trying to negate the gospel, the good news of the grace of Christ, and they were saying you—they were putting the law back on. You got to accomplish more. You got to do more. You got to be perfect. Right? Sometimes we, we, we guys it in the, the pride of, look at how far I've come. Well, I know I once was, but I tried really hard, and now I'm different. I'll admit, I've done that before. <laughs> Jesus knew when he talked to his disciples, Jesus knows when he talks to us, human nature in the world's way of doing things wants to pull us away from that which is done for us and put it back on our shoulders. Jesus in Matthew 11 would say this. He goes, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy and light. Why? Because the yoke of the world, when we're constantly trying to achieve, when we're constantly trying to put God's work on our shoulders, when we're constantly trying to think about, it's my job to bring the kingdom of heaven, (laughs) to be God's representative, and it's all on me, is there rest? No, I'm kind of like my 13-year-old dog, Maggie, running around trying to chase her tail, (laughs) and she can't quite get it. Right? There's no peace. Jesus says to his disciples, listen, I know that the world is going to pull at you. The world, and, and by the way, when you do my works, we see this in the book of Acts, they, they heal and they drive out demons and then people want to worship them. It'd be really, I don't know about you, I've never had somebody try to worship me. But I'm guessing it's a pretty big temptation that if they did, I'd want to go, wow, I feel pretty important. <laughs> and Jesus is saying though, if we go down that road, when it comes to God, that's A, not the basis of our relationship with God, B, it's not how we can sustain life with God, and, and C, it's not how we're going to bear fruit in this world. So I'm going to take a moment this morning, and I'm going to do this around the questions. I bring these questions up in, in the message for reflection, but I, I want us to pause, because I can talk a lot, <laughs> but I want us to pause. Pause. And this morning, I just want to invite you as we think about this first question, we think about our relationship with God, we think about working God's kingdom, being at work in God's kingdom. This morning, what in and of yourself are you abiding and resting in? Where are you trying to tape plastic fruit to the tree? What are you putting on your shoulders? So I want to invite you for a moment, just close your eyes. We'll take a moment of silence and just invite the Holy Spirit to probe your heart, to probe your mind. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Why is this good news for us this morning? Well, I'll say this. It's because I'm not responsible for creating that life-giving nature that flows from the vine, right? I'm, I'm not responsible for somehow conjuring up the energy and the effort that somehow bears fruit. My work is to remain in the vine, to be united to Christ, the one who has literally transplanted us, because we once were, were dead branches hanging off the vine at best, or stuck in the mud. And in Christ, Christ rejoins us to that vine so that we can have his life, so that we could come to life, so that we can be clean, so that we could have a life and a future and a hope. And what does Jesus say? Not only am I the vine, but you're in the Father, the gardener's hands. And let's see some more about this good news and what Jesus does in this. It says in verse two, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I want to take our our mind and our attention to something that you might not see. You probably won't. The word for cut off, arrow in the Greek, does mean cut off. It's the second meaning, actually, in most Greek lexicons, most Greek dictionaries. The first meaning, however, means to lift up. To lift up. How many of you have ever seen a, a, a wine vineyard? Yeah? Yeah? He's. And what do you see the branches of most vines hanging on, resting on? Are, are they in the mud and in the dirt? No, because in the mud and in the dirt, you can't bear fruit, right? It sucks out the life. It keeps, you, keeps, it keeps the vine from having life. And yet, however, in, in a vineyard, oftentimes the vines are resting on trellises, aren't they? And here's the work of the gardener who, who not only gives us the vine Jesus, where, where is our life, but he picks us up out of the mud and puts us up in a place where we can breathe, where we can begin to have life. Now the word it also means cut off and, and that's good news because to cut off means God gets rid of the stuff in us and in him that doesn't bear fruit, that gets in the way of life. Now, how many of you like having things worked on in your life? Like, like when you go, you know, I've got this annoying little quirk. We'll call it a quirk because I don't like calling everything in my life sin. I'll admit. <laughs> right? I, I got this bad habit. How many, how many of you enjoy Yeah, let's work on that stuff, right? <laughs> it's usually like rooted deep in us and, and it's hard work. But here's, here's the good news. We have a God who, who not only identifies and knows those places in our life, but he's the one who then works in us, trims those things. So we're not working at those things alone, are we? We're not working at those things in our own power. We're working at those things tied to the vine who has rescued us, Jesus, right? Who has attached us to himself and who has lifted us up but he's the one then who goes, yeah, we'll trim that out. Don't worry, as long as you remain in me, right? The, the, the only thing we see in verse six is for those who don't remain in him, what, what, what happens? You're going to be a dead branch off to the side and you're going to get tossed in the fire, right? Our job today, uh, the only thing we're supposed to do is to rest in the vine, remain in him, find our home in him and his work. Not in all the things that we can accomplish, but all the things he has, right? We rest in the finished work of Jesus. Not only the finished work, but the finishing work. Paul would say in Philippians 1, that he who started that good work will bring it to completion. So God does some pruning. He lifts us up. He does some pruning. To prune also means to clean. Verse 3, we hear, what does he do? He cleanses us. So not only are we lifted out of the mud, but the mud no longer defines us. The dead branches that he's cutting off no longer define us, right? This is the good work of the gardener. Why? So that his life can flow through us. Verse nine, we see this is an act of love of God to us. As the father has loved me, Jesus says, right? This inseparable love. You actually cannot understand Jesus without the Father. You cannot understand the Father without Jesus. Now, I'll go even into Trinitarian theology. Woo! (laughs) You can't understand any of the three without the other. God ceases to be God if one of those three doesn't exist. We'll leave that there. That's a whole other message. (laughs) But it's inseparably linked. This love that the Father has for his Son. Jesus says what? So I have loved you. Remain in me. Make your home in me. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now, I grew up in the church. I grew up in Sunday school. And oftentimes, I missed the beauty of this passage because verse 10 was the the hit at home point. Now do what I command. And then it instantly put me not in a point of remaining, but accomplishing and achieving. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right? So often we took this, this command, now follow what I command, and not emphasize God has lifting me, he's tied me to his vine, he's the one who's pruned, he's doing all this work, and yeah, God's going to help us know his commands. Duh, right? <laughs> Why wouldn't he? <laughs> but man... It was easily put to this place in this space of you need to do more. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, follow what I command. And by the way, in verse 12, he's going to make it really simple. My command is this, love each other. <laughs> like I've talked about all these other commands, but, but let me just help you as my disciples, as my friends, right? And he's saying to us, let me just help you that the root of any sin goes into a lack of love. When we think about pride, prejudice, when we think about selfishness, when we think about greed, when we think about gossip, all of these are actually a lack of love, aren't they? Not only a lack of love for God, but a lack of love for another. And Jesus says, let me just clear the whole plate and make it really simple for you. This goes back to the great commandment, right? Love God and what? Love your neighbor as yourself. But listen, I'm going to follow what God commands because I know everything he's done for me, right? I want to now. I don't have to. You get that? The want to of my life has changed because I'm, I'm living in the flow of his life. I'm living and resting in what he's done. So now I know what he's done. Listen, I realize there, I, I'm going to sin today, Not because I want to, it's in my nature. And until Christ returns, I'm going to struggle with sin every day. We're going to struggle like the disciples with things pulling for us, asking us to accomplish and achieve, asking us to put our identity in things that are not as a beloved child of God. And Jesus says, yeah, be anchored in me. Follow what I command because then we'll, yes, we'll feel God's lifeblood running through us. We'll see what it looks like to be whole, to be at peace because the author of life knows how to sustain life and to sustain ours. We go to the final verse, verse 11. What, What do we hear? I've told you this so that what? That my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Right, if I'm always trying to earn, again, what's the image, right? A dog chasing its tail. I'm never at rest. I'm always on my toes. There's always another thing. There's no joy. But if I know whose I am and who I am in the vine and in the hands of the gardener, now there's joy. And I'm actually not afraid of some of what God may do and work in my life. I'm not afraid to ask the question, where am I abiding? In and of myself? In and of my own things? Because you know what, today may be one thing, tomorrow may be something entirely different. But the beauty is I continue to stay anchored in Him and in His love and in His life. I want to invite Sarah up because I have a couple more questions for us and And again, I just want us to rest, to reflect. The first question as we draw to a a close today is this. Where is there rest for you? As we think about the fact that we are tied to the vine, that Jesus has lifted us, he has cleansed us, he prunes off all that is dead in us that he's responsible for bearing the fruit in us as we think about some of those things. And you know what? It can be something more, but where is there rest for you in the fact that you are united to Christ and in the Father, the gardener's hands? And the second question is this. How might the Spirit be inviting you into God's, let me say, ongoing transformational work, right? God's transforming work in your life. What is the spirit maybe trimming off in you? What might he be inviting you to or in? So take a moment again in silence and let the melody of the song bring us to the heart of God. Jesus, your invitation to rest, to abide in you, is simply that. To abide, to remain, to stay, to make our home in you, in what you've done, in what you've accomplished, in the life that you have brought bring and will pour out bring to this world and to us. There are many voices that pull at us, Lord, that try to put it all back on us. The minute we give to that, we, we, we pull ourselves away from the greatest gift that has ever been, and that is your grace, your unearned favor and love, an unearned Life. So Lord, help us to rest, Jesus, in what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do. Father, thank you that we are in your loving hands, that you know just the right branches to prune, to pluck, to cut off. Lord, that my job isn't to know what branches belong or don't belong on the vine that's in your hands, and that it's in your good hands, your just hands. Thank you that, God, you're, you're not going to let us stay down in the muck, in the mire, but you lift us up and give us a chance to breathe. You give us the chance to bear fruit. You don't only bear the fruit in us, Jesus, but you give us the chance to. So Lord, continue to transform our hearts, knowing that we are united to you, Jesus, and Father, in your hands. Holy Spirit, continue to breathe that life into us. Help us see where there isn't life. Help us to, to know the places, Father, that in your love you want to you wanna, you wanna carve off, you want to you chisel off, you want to maybe sand down a little bit. Why? Ultimately so that, Father, we can show your love and life to others. And help us, Lord, be able to share this good news. That it's not on our shoulders so often our world is, is fraught with just a a very religious way of doing life. And I'm not talking about Christianity, uh, Islam, Judaism, and so forth. I'm talking just about religious. We we all have our gods we bow down to, and and the world is caught in this, this idea of accomplishment, achievement, of accolades, of it's all on me. May we be people who go into the world saying, no, it was all on him and we can lay down our load and we can take up his yoke for it's easy and it's light because his work is already finished and the work he's going to do in us will continue to carry us forward to do the finishing work in us until we see Jesus face to face that there is a savior there is life so father thank you Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for loving us, for saving us, for sustaining us, and for continually working your life out in us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
2: I invite you to stand and worship with us.
0: be my vision, O ruler of all. Such good words to close with. And now hear these words. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.